welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're currently in a series called Revelation, Breaking the Code. The book of Revelation is one of the most fascinating and power-packed books in the entire Bible. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. Rock-a-bye, baby, come on, in the treetop, when the wind blows, when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall, and down will come, baby. I prepared another one for you. I'll probably just say it so you don't focus on the singing. Rockabye Christian, lulled by the world. When the wind blows, all hell will unfurl. Stay in your sleep, distracted or scared. So when I wreak havoc, you won't be prepared. Jesus. It is Satan's intent to lull you into a sleep whereby your senses are dulled to the spiritual realities of this world. And if he can get us lulled in our sleep, If in any of our campuses and any Christians in the worldwide movement of God, if he can convince us that there really isn't any spiritual warfare and that there really isn't any Satan and there really isn't a devil or demons or dungeons, then he has won the battle. We're going to hit some heavy stuff today. Put your thinking caps on. We're going to do some major course correction, but we are going to go at some of the most bizarre scripture in the entire Bible. Some of you might have read it, and after you read it, you're like, shut it, like, I don't get it. Others of you might not have ever read it. Others of you, though you haven't read the Bible, you've read Left Behind. And what I would encourage you to do is go to the Bible first and let the Bible firmly speak. I taught you several vocabulary words and symbolism over the course of the last five or six weeks. I want to just in this very beginning remind you of a word that I taught you. It was called the apocalypse. And many of you know this word. You've heard it before. The apocalypse. The final dividing of the universe into two camps. One is good and the other is evil. These camps are engaged in a long and fearful struggle. Behind the conflicts are the supernatural powers of God and Satan. And we're about to read a passage of Scripture. It's actually a large passage, so we won't cover all the verses. 
But we're about to read some of the most amazing scripture in the entire Bible. Once you put your thinking caps on it, once you understand apocalyptic scripture, I believe it's going to make so much sense for you today. Light bulbs are going to go off for you. But we need to lean in. We need to go get this. Open up your Bibles to Revelation 12. I'm going to read a passage of scripture from Patmos, where John wrote the book of Revelation. We're going to leave the lights up at all of our campuses. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of our campus locations. We're going to leave the lights up slightly. We'll bring them down some, but we're going to leave them up hopefully so you can read or at least follow along in your Bible. Revelation chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Here we go. Hey, welcome to our Revelation series. As most of you know, we are plowing through the book of Revelation, hitting certain mountaintop passages that enable us to wrap our minds around this apocalyptic literature that we find in the book of Revelation that has mystified thousands of people for centuries. And we are coming today upon Revelation chapter 12. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but the archangel Michael is one of the few angels mentioned in the Old Testament. He's mentioned quite a few times in the book of Daniel, which is also some apocalyptic scripture. And we come across Michael in Revelation chapter 12, toward the end of the Bible, and we find him engaged in a battle. That once we understand this scripture, we are given a greater glimpse into what the end times are going to be about and who's going to win and who's going to lose and what's going to go down. So open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 1 and following. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. Verse 5, and listen in, church. Listen to the familiarity of some of these words. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you will dwell in them. 
but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Come on, church, as we've said every week, this is the word of God for you, for me, for the people of God. Amen. Amen. Love that last part. The enemy, Satan himself, his time is what? Did you catch it? Short. I remember being in seminary, hearing a great quote by the great Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer. And Martin Luther actually said this. He said, unless you know what is being talked about, unless people know what is being talked about, they cannot make sense of what is being said. Kind of a simple, straightforward statement, but it's, it's quite true. Unless we know what is being talked about in Revelation 12, we can't really make sense of what is being said. So grab that pen, and if you're a note taker, write this down in your Bible, preferably. That's even better than your notes, but you have teaching notes. Or if you do it on your tablet or on our app, our New Hope app. By the way, we got 1,300 active downloads on our New Hope app right now. You can go there. The sermon notes are there for you if you prefer to do it that way. But unless we know what is being talked about, we can't understand what is being said. Revelation 12, though it might seem bizarre to you and it might seem hard to understand at first, when you really just start to understand exactly what is going on, you actually find that it's actually pretty easy to understand. The, the chapter starts out with a woman who is pregnant. You learn in the passage as you read it more that the woman is pregnant with a male child. Clearly, and again, I'm going to let you know today where there's some ambiguity. Clearly, this is referring to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, where Mary, the Virgin Mary, has a male child. Then you see in Revelation 12 this notion of the dragon. This notion of the what? And so I've told you for several weeks now we're going to be talking about the satanic Trinity. Now, if that bothers you to put Trinity with the word satanic, I understand. But don't let it freak you out. But if it bothers you, you can call it the counterfeit Trinity. The satanic or the counterfeit Trinity. The first person, if you will, the first party in the satanic Trinity is this dragon that we stumble upon in Revelation chapter 12. So you'll probably see that in your notes. If not, write it down. The dragon represents the first part of the satanic trinity. Now, moreover, notice in verse 5. Let your eyes fall back on verse 5 of Revelation chapter 12. Notice that Satan is thwarted and the child, the child is snatched away and taken back to God on his throne. What is that all about? Well, that's the ascension. That's clear. John knows his scriptures. That is clear reference to the ascension that you find in Acts chapter 1. If you've never read about the ascension, after Jesus is crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, the Father snatches him back to heaven, if you will. That is the ascension. Notice that the child that Mary gives birth to is a male child. And this male child would rule the nation with an iron scepter. Now, what is that all about? 
That's clearly a reference back to Psalm 2, verse 9. Psalm 2, verse 9. Did you notice the 1,260-day language or the 42-month language? What is that reference to? We've talked about this before. What is that? That's three and a half years of the tribulation period, which will be seven years. Is that a literal seven years? I want to make sure as we start to wrap up the series that we're tracking. Is that a literal seven years or does seven mean something else? Seven means something else. That's right. Seven means completion. So as I said a few weeks ago, the tribulation, these judgments of God that we're living in right now, it will be done when it's done. It will be done when God says it is done. So you see these, these scriptures that really just start to make sense if you know your Bibles and you start to piece them together and you understand apocalyptic scripture and the imagery and symbolism. And if you've missed any of that in any of our weeks, go to your resource center at any of our campuses and pick those up. Here's what's cool. In only six verses in Revelation 12, in only six verses, John has shown us the deadly enmity of the adversary. Come on now. His definable defeat and the ultimate exaltation of Christ to the place of supreme and universal power. Now look at Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9. Revelation 12, 7 through 9 we pick up on a character in the Bible that you might not be very familiar with. I'm talking about the archangel Michael. Revelation 12, 7 and 9. Why don't we read this out loud? Ready, church, at all of our campuses, really loud, really strong, like it's the word of the Lord. Go. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was what church? He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. I want to I introduce you to my friend. This is the archangel Michael. I bought this on my recent trip to the Greek Isles. This is Aunt Michael. I don't know if you know about him. Let me tell you a little bit about the archangel Michael. Some of you might know this. Some of you might not. He, first of all, he's a bad dude. Is he not a bad dude? I mean, let me get back over and give you a good shot of this dude. Look at this dude. He is bad to the bone. He got these big wings, right? He's got this, this sword in his hand. Look, can you see down here? Come on, zoom in, camera. Can you Satan is under his heel. He is coming down. This dude is bad. He kicks Satan's butt every day of the week and twice on Sunday. He is a bad mamma jamma. Now, you might say, where do you get all that from? So pay close attention now. It's the most riveting and powerful passages in the Bible, apocalyptic passages in the Bible. We find Michael in Revelation 12, which we just read. 
He's the archangel of the Bible. It, Michael means who is like God. And it's a battle cry of the army of God, okay? The word angel depicts the occasion on which a heavenly spirit delivers messages of God. Archangel denotes carrier of the messages of God. He is considered the archangel of Israel. He's not just in Revelation. He's in the book of Daniel, which, by the way, is a very apocalyptic Old Testament book. You don't find a lot of Old Testament books that are apocalyptic in nature. Okay? He's considered the guardian angel of Israel. He has led God's army against those, um, those of the great dragon. Michael is often illustrated, and this has been throughout the history of the church. He's often illustrated wearing full armor, right? Carrying a lance or a sword and stepping on the net of Satan himself. Michael reminds us, Revelation 12, 10, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and destroyed. Our God, our God defeats and destroys Satan himself. Now, just some biblical knowledge and some biblical teaching because some of you might be tracking with me to some extent, but you're like, what is this about him starting in heaven? And what is this about him being hurled down? Pastor, what in the world is all of that about? Again, put your thinking caps on. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, there was an angel who was cast out of heaven. You don't have to turn there, but you'll see this on your screens. Ezekiel 28, 17. Let's read it out loud together. You did so good with the last one. Come on, let's go. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your... So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Ezekiel 28, 17. Okay? Let me share one more with you. The prophet Isaiah. Most of you love the prophet Isaiah. Incredible book in the Bible. Let's read it out loud. It's a lengthier passage, but I think it helps. You guys are really doing well at all of our campuses. Come on, let's read together. Ready? Go. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Do you see what that ancient serpent, Lucifer, fell to in heaven? He fell to what you and I sometimes fall to, pride. And because he was prideful, he was destructed. God threw him, hurled him. I love the language of Revelation 12. Hurled him to the 
earth. Reminds me of the Bible when it says in Proverbs that pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. I watched this week, as you did, I'm sure, as Pope Francis made his way into the United States of America for the first time. Now, I don't know where some of you stand on Catholic, Protestant stuff. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But I think some of the, the battles have been absolutely ridiculous and not of God. And I, the way I've always looked at it, listen, if you lift up the name of Christ, take my hand. We are in this together. Come on now. Come on. Come on. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I, and, you know, some popes, are, they're like pastors, right? Some are better than others. I think this is why everybody is so in love with this pope. Me included. Me included. And you can get mad at me if you want. I, I, I think he's a beautiful soul. He, he embodies such humility. He, he's, he's the people's pope. I mean, this, this guy, you know, I, I, don't, I don't agree with all the theology of the Catholic Church. I surely don't agree with the Mariology. I don't think that's right. I don't agree with calling priest father. The Bible says call no one father but father alone, right? So I still differ in many different ways. But listen, they still lift up Christ. If they lift up, lift up Christ, they're our brothers and sisters. But this priest is, he's just so admirable. I mean, this pope, he's so inspirational. And here's why, I think. Humility. He has such humility. Now, let's finish out this notion of the satanic counterfeit trinity in Revelation 12. Look at verse 17. Well, we'll go back to verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. Now, skip down to verse 17. This will be, this will be in front of you on the screens. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. Now, listen to me, church. Maybe you haven't been, maybe you're not aware of this. We're in a war. We're in a war. Every day that you and I suck oxygen on planet Earth, we are in a war. There is a battle taking place on planet Earth, whether you are aware of it or not. Kingdoms are clashing. There is a small K kingdom, but in this time that we are in, in this time between the times, God has hurled Satan to planet Earth. There is a battle going on. He's waging war against Mary's offspring. He's waging war against those who follow God's commands. And moreover, we picked a fight with him because we are a church that lifts high the name of Jesus. We've exalted Christ to the ultimate place, and therefore we have hacked the enemy off. He's hacked off at us. And we are in a war. We are in a battle. You can take it to the bank. The enemy is mad. And God says, I will have the last word. Yes, you're in a battle. Yes, you're in a war. Yes, Satan is, is unleashing his work on the world. But his time is short. I will defeat him. His time will come to an end. He might think he has won the day, but I will have the last say, and it will be good. I'll show you a video clip. Video clip. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Movie, powerful. Check this clip out. 
We have to work fast. You're only giving me an hour with you tonight. Listen, ma'am. Listen. Before we get started, there's something I have to tell you. Something I should have said to you before I let you take the case. Okay. There are forces surrounding this trial. Dark, powerful forces. Just be careful, Aaron. Watch your step. I see. Look. Father, you don't have to worry about me. I'm an agnostic, remember? Look, demons exist whether you believe in them or not. And your involvement in this trial might just open you up to their attacks. Look, Father, I appreciate your concern, but you need to be worried about yourself. Ethan Thomas is using the medical aspects of this case as ammunition, and I have to be prepared for his attacks. So, with what little time we have, I think we need to focus on your defense. I, lo I love that line in there. Demons exist whether you acknowledge them or not. The devil and his demons, darkness and dungeons of dark powers are all over planet Earth. And Revelation starts to kind of pull back the shades, if you will, and it enables us to start to make sense of the fallenness and the brokenness that is going on in this world. And I love that last sentence. Let's focus on your defense. Don't be lulled. Don't fall asleep. Don't think that this stuff is not real because it is real as the day is long. And that is why what we do as a church is so important. So let's talk about the rest of the satanic trinity. Look at Revelation 12, 13 through 18. Or actually, look, write this down. The two beasts represent the other two parts of the satanic trinity. The two what? Beasts represent the other, call it beast one, beast two. We haven't read the scripture yet. So we're getting ready to get to it. Okay? Revelation 13, 5 through 8. Long passage of scripture. You can just kind of sit in it. I'll read it. You don't have to read this one out loud. Revelation 13, 5 through 8. The beast, so it talks about the dragon, talks about Mary, all that symbolism. You turn over to chapter 13 and you get to verse 5. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. Verse 7. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people. So Satan, in this time between the times, has been given power. He's got power. It's limited, but it's dark, and it's evil, and he's been given power 
to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Verse 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the what? All whose names have not, all whose names have what? Not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Because you might have been sitting there a moment ago when I said, he's been given authority. And you're like, well, why was he given authority? He's been given authority to wage war against those who don't know Christ. If you are in Christ, if you know your identity, if you are a child of God adopted by the King of Kings, our Heavenly Father who sent Jesus, He has no authority over you. He has no authority over your life. And you need to learn to tell Him that, by the way. You you need to learn to say, Get thee behind me, Satan. Get the, and even though Brian Wilson said last week the satanic trinity was Coach Krzyzewski, Christian Leitner, and J.J. Reddick. He's not. He's the dragon and beast one. And be, by the way, I've got a J.J. Reddick jersey in my family room at my house signed by him and all the champions on that team. And Brian Wilson, you're no longer invited into my home. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm so proud of that brother. He did such a good job last week. I'm so proud of him. He did such a good job. His first sermon at New Hope Church. I'm so proud of him. But where was I? You need to learn to say to Satan, by the authority of Jesus Christ, I declare victory over you. Satan, God has kicked your butt before. He will kick your butt again, and you have no dominion over my life. I mean, you can talk to him and get an attitude. Get sassy with him. He has no authority over you. If, 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 if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So this satanic trinity, the first beast, is... Very clear. Uh, To me, this is a very easy interpretation. You want to write this down, you'll see it on the screen. The first beast symbolizes the Roman Empire. Guys, you you find this in, in secular historians who were writing in those days. The Roman Empire was seen as a beast of epic proportions. Rome, after the days of Jesus, maybe you don't know this, Rome would take and crucify people by the hundreds daily. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you thought Jesus was the only one ever crucified. No, 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 no. Secular historians, people like Josephus, would declare that you could look down the Roman roads and you would see people lined up and crucified on crosses as far as the eye could see. I kind of get an image of like telephone poles down the road. On top of that, you had emperors like Domitian, who I told you was reigning during this day. It's not Nero. We'll talk about him in a moment. But Emperor Domitian, who would declare himself as divine and God. So whenever Emperor Domitian would walk into a a palace, as it were, or into a crowd, they would have to declare our Lord and our God. See the connection of the pride? 
So, so the first beast is the Roman emperor, Rome itself. That takes us to the second beast in the book of Revelation. And the second beast represents political underlings, if you will, those who would live out and those who would enforce that which Rome would declare as law and mandatory. Let me show you what I mean. Go to 11 through 18. Revelation 11 through 18 of chapter 13. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a what? Like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Verse 14. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. Do you see it? It was given power to perform on behalf of what? The first beast. The first beast, Rome, declares this is the way it's going to be. You think of going all the way back to Julius Caesar, Nero, Domitian. Rome was a beast. Brutal, brutal beast. The second beast, the second beast is living out the power and performing the duties of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast, hello, who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Oh, it's just everybody say breaking the code. This is not this stuff is not as hard as you've thought. Who was wounded by the sword and yet lived, verse 15, the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Emperor Domitian and Emperor Nero loved to kill Christians. Historians tell us, again, this is not even, this is extra canonical stuff. Historians tell us that when Nero would have his big parties, at his palaces. You know how they illuminated the grounds for the party? I mean, p- picture a cookout. You know what I'm saying? Picture Jordan Lake. <laughs> People cooking and singing. and Well, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have lights like we do. You know how Nero illuminated his parties? Christians burning at the stake. This is evil giving breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on their forehead so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for what church? Let the person who has insight... What's that next word, church? It's amazing. Scripture's telling us to calculate something. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is six. 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 Ooh. I'm, I'm trying to teach you something carefully without coming across overly sarcastic. We, we've done a poor job in our world of understanding these numbers. Like, 
I, been, I hope you're praying for me. Pray for me. I've been doing a lot of traveling lately. And, and so like last week I was in South Dakota speaking at a leadership conference. And then I went to Indianapolis and, and met with my publisher and some other things. I'm flying out today. I'm flying out today, this evening, and flying to San Antonio, Texas. This is going to sound like I'm name dropping, but I'm really not. I'm playing golf with Max Lucado on Tuesday. I shared this with you because I'm nervous. I, I've never read an author more than I've read Max Lucado. Of all the authors I've read, I've read him the most. I own more books by Max Lucado than any other author. I don't know why I'm there. I'm still trying to figure out why I'm there. But I've been invited to be a group with five pastors who's going to meet for yearly. Once a year, we're going to get together. And Max is in this group. Max has kind of extended the invitation. He and Don Wilson. And I'm playing, playing golf with Max Lucado on Tuesday. I haven't played golf in three years. He's probably a scratch golfer. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Why was I saying, pray? Oh, God, I need to pray. But, but here's, here's why I'm telling you all this. Come on, come on, come on. Don't, don't get lost on that. Here's why I'm telling you all this. I've been traveling a lot. So last week, I land in Indianapolis, and I pull up to the hotel where I'm going to be meeting with some people. And uh, I'm normally not a valet kind of parker. I, I, just, I just assume find the parking lot and park and walk. But they were, they, they were paying, and <laughs> they, they provided. Um, and so I pulled up, plus the parking lot. In this part of downtown Indy, there wasn't any good parking. They had to take the cars way off. So I pull up there. I get my valet ticket. Now, if you valet parked before, you know that a valet ticket has six, seven, eight numbers on it, right? right? And what you do is when you want to get your car, you hand them that or you call down from your room with that ticket number and they have your car waiting for you. I looked at my ticket number. There were seven numbers there and the last three were six, six, six. And just some of your nervous laughter is why I'm telling this story. Some of you and many people in our culture would have, ah! Put your thinking caps on and listen closely to what I'm about to teach you because you don't need to get all freaked out over that stuff. There's been poor, horrible teachings on this. There have been people who have said over the years that political figures have the sign of the beast on them. President Obama has been accused of being the beast with six, six, six on his forehead. George Bush, let me give you some other examples. Muslim empire, during the time of the Crusades, Muslim leader Saladin, the Pope, the Pope is often by Protestants, been declared to be the one with the mark of the beast. Luther, Napoleon, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, North Korea, all this talk about people who have six, six, six figuratively. And that's the first thing I need to say about this. This is a figurative thing. This is not a literal thing, number one. And secondly, that's a poor interpretation of Bible. So let me try my best to talk to you about this. First, to talk to you about 666, I'm going to surprise you. I want to talk to you about 777. Not in the Bible. <laughs> what does the number 7 mean? Oh, you guys are brilliant. You have been following me in this series. It means... Completion, there's seven days in a week. What does the number three mean? That might not be as, as clear to you, but I did teach that one day. The number three is a religious number that means perfection. Perfection, okay? So this would mean, if you will, this would mean complete 
Oh, you got it. Complete perfection. 666. What does six mean? I haven't really taught you that yet. But six is seven minus one. (laughs) Woo! That boy went to Duke to learn that right there. What? (laughs) Seven minus one equals six. So if seven means completion, six means incompletion. So six thrice, three times, okay, six, one, two, three, it is incomplete or actually complete imperfection. Now you'll see that on the screens as they throw that up for you. So seven minus one, repeated thrice, is the greatest or perfect imperfection. Now that's, that's, that's. Point number one. If you're tracking, say breaking the code. Now watch this. In the ancient world, most of you know this, they would actually take and associate numerical values to the letters in a person's name. So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves, because the Bible says to calculate it. Who is this satanic beast, the third party in the satanic trinity, symbolized by the number 666? Who is this? Who is this? I have mentioned Domitian to you, but the one I want to mention to you now is Emperor... I've mentioned him too. Nero. Nero preceded Domitian. Nero was also a bad dude in the truest sense of the word. And I've already talked to you about some of the stuff that he did. If you add up the numerical values of Nero in the Hebrew, some of you will go and try this and you'll research this and you should, not in the Latin, not in the Greek, but if you add up not Emperor Nero, watch this y'all, watch this, watch this, watch this, His full name, which you've probably never heard before, but history validates, his full name was Neron Caesar. If you add up with this kind of cryptographic formula value system that they had created, you add up every letter with the corresponding number value, it adds up. To 666. The third part of the satanic trinity was none other than Emperor Nero, whose official name was Neron Caesar. Everybody say, breaking the code. You want some extra? Extra, extra. You want some extra? You want some extra? Fascinating to me. As I've studied the ancient text, there are a few ancient texts that actually don't have 666. Kind of running out of room here. But they have 616. Just a few. Majority of the text has 666 in this place. 616. Often in the ancient world, they would take off this last end of Neron. What do you think you get 
When you add up Nero Caesar, the third party of the satanic trinity is not Barack Obama. And it was not George Bush, W, or the one before. And it is not Hillary Clinton. And it is not Donald Trump. But Lord God, may somebody get ahead of those two. Sorry. So, oh, I just did it. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, God help us. <clears throat> Let me end. Let me end with this. Satanic Trinity, though the the the, 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 the putting of those words together has kind of there's something that's welled up inside your spirit, and I did that on purpose. The Satanic Trinity is nothing more than a false or counterfeit version of the Holy Trinity. Hello. The Satanic Trinity tries to mimic the Holy Trinity. Hello. It's powerful, but it is not omnipotent. Its claim for worship, come on, church, parodies true worship of Father. Son and Holy Spirit. It's kingdom, little k, parodies the capital K, kingdom of our God. The lamb beast is a gross parody of the Christ lamb of God who was wounded and healed and resurrected for your benefit and for mine. The beast healing of its fatal wound is a parody of Christ's death and resurrection, 13.3. And it's number 666 or 616 is a parody Seven, seven, seven. Did you notice the triumph song that we skipped early on? I saved it to the very, very end. Won't you stand to your feet and let's read this word of God together at all of our campus locations. Revelation 12, 7 through 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Come on, church, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been what? Hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice. Come on, church. Ah, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Somebody praise the God who will defeat him forever and ever and ever. Amen. We're about to sing a song at all of our campuses. The same exact song. Don't, don't leave. The song is titled... In Christ. And the song has lyrics like this. There in the ground his body lay. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory. Sin's curse, come on, has lost its grip on me 
For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. And then we get to this next part. And, and, and I want to ask you, to, I ask you to, to, to celebrate when we get to this part of the song. I'm going to ask you to go bonkers. If you're a clapper, clap. If you're a yeller, yell. If you're a lap taker, stay in your place. No guilt in life. No fear of death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Now just sing it out till then. But when you get to this part right here, no power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here is the power of Christ I stand. When something wells up in you and you feel like shouting or clapping or doing whatever it is you want to do, you let it go right there because I have come by today to declare to you that our God has final power and victory over the enemy. I have stopped by today to let you know that if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, Satan has no dominion over you. You kick him in the teeth. You tell him your God is able. Get thee behind me, Satan. I am his and he is mine and your time is short. <laughs> Father, we love you. Thank you for your people celebrating who you are. Thank you for these unbelievable words of Scripture that teach us the days that we live in. But God, we, we know the days that we live in. It's obvious. They're dark. Thank you that your word teaches us about the days that will come and that if we are in you, it will end well. If we are in you, Satan has no power over us. And so we stand today at all of our campuses. We stand in Christ and Christ alone. Get thee behind us, Satan. You have no place here. You have no dominion here. We cast thee out of all of our campuses and the movement of New Hope Church as we go forth to reach, teach, and release. You get behind us because your time is short. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.